1: Hi, this is AJ Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Hello and welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast here on HawkFanatic.com. I am Rob Howe, joined by Scott Docterman from The Athletic. It is Friday, February the 2nd, a little after 9, ah, about 9:15 AM Central Time. Uh apologize for not being being able to do it yesterday. Uh I was shooting photos at state wrestling. Um, so that one's on me. Uh appreciate Scott adjusting his schedule. Did you watch any of the uh the Pro Bowl stuff last night, not the Pro Bowl. Um,
0: I was kind of flipping around as always because I'm a chronic channel surfer. I watched the end of Wisconsin Nebraska. I did watch some of the Shrine Bowl, and uh, you know because, but I I wasn't watching it very closely and <laughs> just <laughs> changing around. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to see Logan Lee, but. I uh, mostly watch uh, Talia Taga you know. So that was uh, that was my night. I I couldn't tell you what else I watched because I usually just turn on YouTube and uh, 100 top songs of 1983. And <laughs> you know, I don't agree with that, you know. Yeah,
1: but you need things like that to kind of get you yeah. get you in a a, mo- a better mood, so to speak, uh, when work is not giving that to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> like like recently but um yeah it was kind of cool i i saw uh linderbaum was part of the the snapping competition it was oh, pretty yeah. funny um uh jason kelsey they had like the you've seen this before where they do the different like points for this, and the smaller yeah. the hole, the bigger the points there's the 5 point in the middle and that's just like the, that's the highest one so he's just firing him at five he didn't even worry about 1 through 4 he's just firing him oh. at <laughs> he's like go bit. but uh i think i think lindy got one in the three or the four he did okay because it was more for long snapping like when they brought the long snappers out they were really good at it yeah. and uh and then sam laporter was part of the the catching off the jugs gun i think he got up to five his last one he kind of was fumbling and fell backwards and he, get, he goes oh shit <laughs> and they and they didn't get him like they were bleeping everybody out, yeah. but he got his shit through, which was mm. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like he good. was one of the ones at the end, which was kind of cool, so. Uh, I should have watched that, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to that stuff, just kind of the the skill stuff that the guys having fun. It was Peyton and Eli were the coaches on the opposite mm. sides, AFC, NFC, and they were going at it. So it was a good show. It was yeah. uh, entertaining, and I kind of like the Pro Bowl, how it's set up now. It used to just be a joke, so at least they have some fun with it now, and I think the fans have some fun with it. So that's on Sunday, I believe. Yeah. yeah the the whatever they call it now the it's flag football, flag football. Or... yeah so um and then senior bowl is this weekend too i think yeah Tori taylor competing in that
0: yeah
1: yeah i commanded
0: quite the crowd i guess in mobile so uh you know and last night you know logan lee was in uh dallas or whatever for the shrine bowl so uh people are you know and i've been noticing uh Cooper DeGene doing a lot of drills out in California, so he looks good or is getting there. So I'll check him out here in about four weeks down in, uh, in Indianapolis. So it's, it's – draft
1: season is upon us. Yeah, there is no off-season anymore. No. There's always no. something going on. It seems like for every sport, but especially yeah. football. Football yeah. just doesn't stop. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not stopping around here either, is it? No, it's no, it been, is not. It's been a – it was a busy January into February – uh, let's start with the, the, um, the Caden Proctor story that you wrote last night. Um, cause that's the freshest news. Um, we had kind of, um, social media caught hold of this, uh, after his, uh, interviews a few weeks ago at Carver Hawkeye arena, when he talked about staying in touch with Iowa when he was at Alabama, caused the stir. Um, I guess Iowa looked into it, um, found a minor violation. I'll let you take it from there.
0: Yeah. That's basically encompassed everything that, uh, back in September when Caden was struggling at Alabama and people were climbing all over him. And, uh, you know, first we saw, we saw the quote tweet before from, from Tyler Barnes, you know, like I think it was Mike Farrell had written, you know, Iowa fans must be loving him struggling. And, and, uh, Tyler said something like, no, you know, we're we're rooting for him. He's got this or something. And then next thing you know, um, I guess Tyler sent him a text. Well, he did send him a text. And it's just more like, hang in there, buddy. You got this. You're doing all right. You know, very innocuous, um, you know, and actually probably something that he, well, certainly something he appreciated. Uh, He brought it up. And, uh, but that's a no-no. It's impermissible conduct contact between you know someone from one school to someone at another school and and so I found the text Beth gets talked about it and said you know we we looked into it there was one text you know it was a, there was a human element to it and and it's in process right now meaning it hasn't been officially sent off but um, it is a, a level three which is minor although from the alabama fans that have taken on this and um you know aggregated it even before i got a chance to write it because i tweeted it first you'd think that they deserve the death penalty for it <laughs> 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 you know but uh now it's um uh, so they they've interviewed tyler they interviewed kate and, you know they're going to send it in traditionally with this type of penalty. You get further education and or admonishment, you know, which is don't do it again. (laughs) It's the ultimate, you know, wrist slap. And, and, you know, again, the self-righteousness from some of these Alabama fans, I mean, I'm like, stop it. You don't think <laughs> you guys do anything, you know, but I'm not getting into the waiting in that pool. It's I already getting bad enough with uh, Nebraska fans. Yeah, you
1: don't need time. another fan base coming after you every time you tweet something. So yeah.
0: So every, I'm just
1: they're already going to, whenever you tweet something about Caden now, they're going to be on you. So yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. So it was more like uh mute conversation. <laughs> I don't, I don't care to hear Iowa fans talk about it either because yeah. You know, because then people are like, you know, F the NCAA and all. And it's like, no, they're turning it in because if, again, something bad happens down the road and then they start looking into stuff, and it's like you had this and you didn't turn it in. Then it's lack of institutional control and then you get in real bad trouble. So this is minor. It's something that, you know, Caden Kate- Oops, brought up <laughs> and, yeah. then, and uh, move on. And in some ways, it's kind of like when uh, – remember Ashton Kutcher and Mila, Ke- Mila Kunis came to a basketball – or came to a football game and met with uh, Adam Woodbury, and that they had to turn that in. It's basically along those same lines.
1: Yeah, that was uh, – I don't remember what came of that, but it wasn't much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they have these roles for a reason, and I get it. You don't want to coach from a current staff – texting a, yeah. you know, a student athlete on in another program, I, I think that's probably good not to have any of that going on. Yeah. So there's no gray area or anything like that. And I mean, I, I remember when Tyler asked me several years ago, not to speak with recruits on the field um, mm-hmm. when they were visiting Kinnick stadium, because that's a violation uh, and compliance told him that and compliance told me that. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And it's kind of weird because I get to know these kids And you see them for the first time on the field, and they're like, hey, how you doing, Rob? Good to see you. And you're like, I can't really talk. Yeah. I get it. There's these little violations that make sense. I mean, you don't want – and you know darn well that there are journalists, news people at other stadiums talking to recruits when they're on the field. But credit to Iowa for wanting to follow the rules.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and this is one that will pass. I mean, it's something that people will, you know, I, I, again, people, there, there are people who are, you know, treating this like it's a level one, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, You know, and really, and this is the innocent part of it. And Beth brought it up and I I quoted her on it. And she's like, you know, this is like, you know, an assistant coach moves on and they form real human relationships with these players. And an assistant coach goes on and texts somebody at his old school. Hey, how's your mom doing? You know, and, and it's because for, you know, maybe their mom's sick or in the hospital, but you still can't do that either. So, you know, now it's out there. People know it. It's become you know, viral type of situation, it doesn't really, it's not going to affect his eligibility. I can't see that at all. And, you know, and, and I actually, that day, I kind of felt bad for Matt Weitzel because he hadn't actually signed at that point. He was there and uh, you know, everybody hit up uh, Caden beforehand. And then later on when he was leaving, then there were some more TV cameras and Matt's like, guys, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't signed yet. And you're like, uh, yeah. you know, okay, crap, you know, but, it's, you know, well, sometimes Iowa drags its feet on too many different things. So
1: Yes, it does. And it's, to close on this, it's just, it's unfortunate that you can't do what Tyler did because his was, um, he meant well by it. But you have to protect against the idiots that are going to abuse it if you allow it. So that's why the rules are in place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's fine, you know. I, you know, I know he was really worried after the fact. Like, oh my god, am I going to lose my job over this? You know. And it, and you think about it, it's like take, you know, take the ten thousand foot view and go. <laughs> you know, all you're doing was saying hi to him. Now, you know, was was there an extra side benefit to? What happened? Happened? Maybe you know. I don't know, but but um, you know the words again. We don't have access to them yet because it, it hasn't been sent in yet. I'm sure the actual
1: email you know. or text message.
0: Yeah, or at least I didn't yesterday because yeah. we were just told about it. I have to file through a FOIA to get it, and it take up to 21 days. But but you know the the it you know <laughs> Beth was just like, and you'll see that this is nothing, you know. So. I don't, I, I imagine that the NCAA, based on all the other issues right now, that this is not going to be one where they're going to say, okay, the, the student athlete in question is, uh, banned for the season. And, uh, you know, they're, they're Tyler Barnes is under a show cause or something for this. You know. Yeah. And
1: I don't think Iowa would, I don't think Beth would say what she said to you guys and self-report this as a minor violation if the text was in any way um more um more in violation like hey hang in there you know if you want to come home you can something like that I mean that's obviously a lot and it doesn't sound like there's anything like that so um again just you know texting a kid he got the new and the know in the recruiting um process wishing him well and uh there are reasons why the the rules are in place but um this sounds like sounds like it's going to be a minor and probably like Scott said a slap on the wrist um just to close or not close but just to update on the gambling story Scott DCI released a statement saying it did nothing wrong it did nothing illegal in searching the student athletes from Iowa and Iowa state who were charged uh, in the gambling investigation. So basically what we have now is uh, lawyers on both sides are going to fight this out.
0: Yeah. That's the only way they can do it because DCI has to get a win. They can't lose this yep. because if they lose this, everybody goes there and the, and there's already going to be political ramifications. You know, now in our state where it's landlocked with one party, I don't know how deep that's going to go, but still it's, it's significant and uh, you know, yeah, they, they're going to fight it. And I know uh, the attorney for, I think uh, Van Plum released his own statement. There was something that to that effect. So uh, that no, this isn't, uh, you know, legal or anything like that. So, yeah. And, and DCI mentioned that. Okay. And it's, this is going to be up to the court to decide. So it's, there we
1: go. You know, it's all going to be about the court. And we'll see, like you said, DCI needs to win, which makes you wonder. You know, a lot of times in these cases, they just want to settle, mm-hmm. uh, save save the save the public money, save, save taxpayers money from from going to court on things like this. Um, but this sounds like DCI wants to win or needs to win, so a settlement is less likely in this situation. Yeah, and the the, the
0: statement, which you know, I, I can't say that I'm I've covered. Police, you know, and I haven't done that for a long time, but uh, this is very rare for the Department of Public Safety in the state of Iowa to release a statement in the middle of, you know, before the adjudication, and and so to have this happen um, is significant in its own right, and uh, you know, and this is totally a CYA. I mean, they they understand that the that the public is completely against them right now, and so they're trying to get at least some to see their point of view. Uh, but I don't, I don't think the majority do. I think the majority understands that, you know, there are, you know, whereas lot, there is a dividing line between hundred percent back the blue versus those who are very skeptical of the blue. But in this case, I think people are like, yeah, eh, there's a fourth amendment for a reason, you know, But you need a probable cause and a warrant before you just start looking into things. And, you know, just because you can, doesn't mean you, you should. And, and so I think this is uh, this is going to be a fascinating um, breakdown, you know, not only legally first, but politically second, just to see how the fault lines kind of crack.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, if it swings the way where, you know, the public, uh, you know, if, it, if the, the court of public opinion ends up being right, the the worst thing that comes out of it is the student athletes like Noah Shannon lost an entire season and beyond him. I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out. There were a lot of people affected by it, uh, but if it does turn out that this was an illegal search, um, they can't get that back. They may get some money. They may get compensated in that way, but they can't get their careers back, and that's that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, that that's the worst part. That's the collateral damage of this yeah. whole expedition that, that took place is that, okay, you got – you know, several people charged and several guilty pleas, and some are going to court, but then you have the the collateral damage are the players who weren't charged, but yet lost eligibility. I mean, you think about people like um, Jamari Harris, two yeah. games, you know, Noah Shannon, the entire season, you know, for what, you know, so you can have a notch on your, uh, you know, on your belt for, you know, gambling. I mean, that's really ultimately what it came down to. And, and so, right now you know you you know and then the same thing with Iowa State I mean a kid like Jake Remsburg or yeah you know and all the others and 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 the wrestling team at Iowa I mean none of them have been charged with a crime but they're all they've all lost their eligibility and so it, unfortunately those ramifications you can't get back you can't reverse time you know even even with the covid you're getting an extra year you can't rever- you can't reverse actual clock
1: of time And we all get older. You can't (laughs) Can't stop time either. I can't reverse it or stop it. Yeah. Um, All right. To the meat of the podcast, we'll uh, we'll hit on the basketball wrestling um, after we talk more Iowa football. And the story that everybody's been waiting for, or the announcement that everybody's been waiting for, Iowa's offensive coordinator – it was interesting at the end of last week, I believe it was a week ago today, Scott, where uh, a friend of yours sent you a photo, um, and that created the stir of, all right, it's going to be Kevin Johns. He's the offensive coordinator, and people were kind of on board with that. Not You're not going to get 100% approval rate on this hire unless it's Kyle Shanahan, which ain't yeah. happening. <laughs> so, um, but that seemed to have some momentum, that people were into it. He was uh, The photo you tweeted showed him and. Kirk Ferentz at uh, the Marriott across the street from Kinnick Stadium having coffee and maybe uh, an omelet and uh, orange juice. Hopefully they had orange juice or apple juice. I prefer apple juice to orange juice, but to each his own. But uh, that didn't happen. And then Saturday at the women's game, Scott tweeted a picture of Ronnie Lester's jersey (laughs) in the rafters and said, oh, maybe this is it. So Uh – It was good to see you have some fun on social media, regardless of the pushback, blowback you got from the angry mob on that platform.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes you just have
1: to put it out there. Um, You know, the
0: the Leicester jersey, actually, what's kind of funny is, Rob, I I discovered it during the Star Spangled Banner, you know, I stood (laughs) up, my hand was on my heart, I'm looking up at the flag, and then I look over and I see lester 12 and and i'm like it's a sign <laughs> and so i I tweeted it out a sign with the question mark and then you know two-thirds of the people are like no you're trolling no you know and i'm like and it turns out on sunday uh that seemed to be the case so um <laughs> here we are with tim lester and i think the majority of people now have, you know which always happens have kind of come around and thought, you know, okay, I'll buy into this. You know, there, there's still a lot of skepticism and rightly so. I think that's, that's legitimate, you know, because we kind of thought a couple of years ago when Kirk made it sound like that the offense was going to be better and changed and, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And it's now I'm fool me four or five times. I'm not going to be shamed anymore. So, um, <laughs> but I also think that, in watching a lot of what he was able to do um, with Western Michigan. And and granted, granted, different level of football, certainly different level of defenses he's playing, uh, facing. However, the execution and the style of play, I kind of like. So I'm I'm interested to see how it, it all comes together because I think it's got the potential to be better. And, you know, I, nothing could be worse, but <laughs> better in a way where it looks like, oh, okay, this this team can actually move the ball. Now, is that more than 24 points a game? I, I'm not going to predict that at all. But, but I'll say that it looks like, oh, if you get a, the right trigger, man, yeah, I think I could see them scoring some touchdowns, a couple of touchdowns a game at
1: least. Yes, I think um... – Skepticism is probably fair, as you said, with what we've seen in recent years. And we've talked about it a lot. And I, I don't know, and I don't know as we'll ever know exactly how we got here. Um, you know, we the Paul Christ period of time where it looked like he might be the guy. Joe Philbin's name was out there. Um, you know, Kevin Johns that we talked about. Was Tim Lester the number one guy? Um, Did he emerge at the end? All of those things. I don't know how much information we're going to get, uh, you know, at the end. But it really doesn't matter. This is where we are. And you hope that you get he's got the right guy. And, I, you know, the column I wrote last week was basically, we don't know. And that's it. We don't know because there are so many factors and um, parts of this puzzle. Does the quarterback come back healthy from an ACL tear? Uh, Does the head coach relinquish some of his um, philosophy, beliefs? Does he have to? Can Tim Lester work around exactly what Kirk Ferentz wants wants? The question and the formula here that has to work is, can Kirk and Tim Lester figure it out together? Um, there were times when it worked with Ken O'Keefe. Uh, There were times when it worked with Greg Davis. There were times when it worked with Brian Ferentz. It just never worked consistently. Can Iowa with this offensive coaching staff get to that point where they have a – they're not going to have a top 50 offense, but or maybe they will. I don't know. But can they at least get to a point where it's not – just painful to watch and that's what it's become
0: yeah it's you know the, the last four years well three especially for Iowa in the passing game and last four it's been it's been dreadful it's been really hard and how much of that is the scheme how much of that is the personnel I think you know the play calling I think all of it is is worth diving into I mean you, you know, you look at Nate Stanley, for instance, when he was quarterback, he threw 68 touchdowns. I mean, you know, in the last three years, I think they've thrown, uh, 28, 27, 28, you know, in the last three years. So it's like, that's a 40 touchdown pass difference. Is that all on Brian or is it on quarterbacks? Well, I think the quarterback has a big factor in that. And, uh, you know, they tried to rectify it last year, bringing in Cade McNamara. And it didn't work because Cade was never healthy. You know, it was quad, you know, wasn't healthy enough in the spring to get all the reps. Then his quad, and then his ACL, and he's coming off a knee surgery before that. So there's there should be some skepticism there. But I think can these two coalesce? I mean, Tim Lester likes to run um, RPO. There's room to run RPO without having a running quarterback per se. Sometimes they take the run, but you can it's really run pass option, meaning with your running back or pass. And that's one area that, that Iowa has really never exploited, and I think it's all it's there for the taking, which is if you can somehow block run and throw pass when you have slants or short passes across the middle, it's there. You know, it's been there for a long time. The routes have not been run there and the options have not been available. So I think if he can somehow maneuver that, the other part is um, how does he work with an inline tight end? Because this is, you know, he, and over the last, his final two years, 86% of his plays were three, three wide receivers. Iowa last year, um it, it they usually run it like a third and this is what it was it was like 32% was 12 personnel two tight ends uh, 31% was three wide receivers so and then the rest was just kind of mixed up so i was very is varied can you run two tight ends a lot with what tim lester wants to do because that seems to be the strength of this team and this program i think you can um so how do they marry it together how do they work together how much control does kirk relinquish how much to you know and, and it's one thing you know, I mean, it's fourth and one at the 40 Right. that yeah he deserves that call but you know saying no no we can't run that play at second and seven that's completely different so i don't know um i think we're all skeptical but i think there's some promise here that sh- shows that it, something can
1: change and it's not <clears throat> most football's complimentary um mm-hmm. That's just the way it is, and and you want to be smart when you're calling plays, whether you're on offense, defense, special teams, it doesn't really matter. I think Iowa is a little stricter in its complementary football and more conservative sometimes in its complementary football. And when you're that way, it makes it more difficult on the offense because the offense is not (laughs) – I don't know if this is the right way to put it, not given the benefit of the doubt time sometimes, not not trusted, because you basically are like, well, we'll live to fight another day, and we'll punt and let the defense, we'll get the ball back in a better field position. That's hard on an offensive coordinator. It is. It's hard to know that you've got to your, – your opportunities aren't as great maybe as they would be – with somebody that's a little bit more risky or somebody that's a little less conservative. So to me, that's, that's an interesting part of this too. Can you operate, can Tim Wester operate in that kind of in that world and, and, or like you said, and like I said before, um, how much is Kirk willing to like be less conservative or, or let it, let the offense let the offense make plays, let the playmakers make plays. Um, that's, that's another question that, that I wonder, I, I'm fascinated to see how this play, no matter how this plays out, it's going to be fascinating.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because the one thing that you, you mentioned, the word that I think stands out to me is trust. And the last several years, it's understandable that there was not a lot of trust on offense. Um, Spencer, who I, think very highly of as a player, as a, as a potential coach, as a person wasn't very accurate. And there was a lot, a lot of trust that this offense was going to win. I mean, you you think back to the Penn state game, you know, here in 2001, 21, Mm -hmm. where it was three versus four late in the game, they had the opportunity to run the clock out. They took knees. (laughs) They took knees at basically midfield, and it's, it's like, let's do the least risky thing we could possibly do and put our def- – you know, give the ball back to our opponent with a chance to win rather than try to even run the football. Um, you know, okay, that's as risk-averse as possible. But, but I think the fear was fumbling, fumbling the snap, um, something bad happening as opposed to trying to make something good happen. That's got to change. You cannot play that way. You cannot play scared, you know, and that's both on the field and, and philosophically. Now you can do that from time to time to try to win like they did. And they did win because they had a great defense and the other team's quarterback was a backup and he wasn't any good. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, if you're going to hand, you know, if you're going to hand tie the hands of your offensive coordinator in the future doing that. Good luck, man. That's, that's just not going to work. Now, Last year was even worse because you just had nothing. Now you're going to have to, you're going to have to make something, you know, and maybe Tim Lester can, you know, if it's healthy Cade McNamara, maybe, but I also think you're looking at your, your QBs right now. Either you got to have a lot of faith in Marco Lenes or you need to hit the portal because you just cannot have that situation again. You know, Deacon, you know, tried hard, <laughs> You know, I, but it wasn't good enough for not for the Big Ten, and and then to top it off, Rob, they need to do something at wide receiver because it's been a, a wasteland for a long, long time, um, and it's been coaching, attrition, um, and development that is you know when when you have like the greatest tight end tradition in the country right now, and the worst at wide receiver, that's you got to look at yourself
1: on that. Yes. And I think, you know, that's the puzzle we've talked about. You're over scholarship limit. What do we, how do you do this? How How do you fortify your wide receiver core, you know, when you don't have scholarships to give? And, you know, it, you're not doing it now. So if you wait till after the spring and bring guys that, you know, bring guys in they have less time to get acclimated that's not ideal but you have to do what you have to do right i i just hopefully the new wide receiver coach who we believe is john Mm -hmm. Budmeyer, hopefully he helps in developing that position because i think that is the most important thing with that position in addition to maybe getting kids that are maybe a kid or two that's ready to hit the ground running that can produce right away in 2024. Um, and then to me, the most exciting part of Tim Wester is his knowledge of court, the quarterback position and being able to coach that position. I think, you know, when, when, when Ken was here back in the last, you know, the latter part of last decade, I thought he, he worked well. I thought he developed Nate Stanley pretty well over the years that, that got, we've got lost there. Doing that. And I think hopefully Tim Lester can do that because he's got some young guys to work with Scott, besides Cade. I mean, Deacon could certainly use some coaching. Um, and then you got Marco, uh, and, and Reaser coming in. Um, and then Sullivan after that, you've got uh, young guys coming through here. It's good quarterback development is going to be very, very important.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because.
1: You know, uh, you know, going back,
0: what I like about this with Tim Lester is he played it, and in his league he played at really a very well. high level. Yeah, he threw
1: for a shitload of yards at Western Michigan. When exactly. I was, up, I was like, whoa! And he played for Chicago in the XFL, right?
0: Yeah, yep. So he's he's got experience playing uh, playing professionally. He played, you know, a ton at Western Michigan. He's in their Hall of Fame as a quarterback. So he understands that position. And then, of course, this year he spent as a senior analyst with the Green Bay Packers. I don't know. I don't think he worked much with the offense. He'll tell us next week when we get a chance to talk to him. But, you know, this, this to me is it's an opportunity to have a quarterback help quarterbacks. And Brian was not a quarterback. This was a move we all saw coming, the situation. It's like, let's just, you know, let's just there, it's like lean into the, you know, why would you put an offensive lineman as quarterback coach? And this is my fear, I hate to say it with John Budmeyer at wide receiver. I could be off on this, but this position has been just a wasteland, as we said. You know, out of the out of a 10-year block from 2012 to 2021, there were 24 freshman wide receivers, Rob, that were recruited. Five lasted from 20, <laughs> 24 to five lasted their entire career. And this is before really the portal era, That's you just know, so uh, alarming, you know, I mean, and I hate to say it, but you know, if the portal was available for Brandon and Amir, yeah, you know, I mean, Nico stuck it out. He was another one, but you know, you had like Max Cooper and, you know, so just out of that mix, you're going, I think Tavon might have been one of the others, but, you know, it, it's just, you, you know, you've got to really assess and look at it and say, what do we do wrong here? Why can't we develop our wide receivers? And now you're moving a guy who never really coached that position. I mean, I think this position needs somebody who actually played it and understood it and can see it and can argue for it and say, my guy can go out and beat his guy, that guy over there, let him make a play. And I just, I, I think this, you know, that's one thing Kirk does and you, you just kind of grit your teeth and go, okay, is he, he wants to get the right coaches, but it doesn't really matter where they're going to be. You know, I mean, Abdul Hodge was a great linebacker at Iowa. He's coaching tight ends. Um, you know, um, you know, Tim Paulset came in as a quarterback OC and he's going to coach offensive line. And now John Budmeyer is a quarterback and now he's going to coach wide receivers. It's just, you know, get guys for that position, you know, but anyway, I mean, and again, maybe he develops them. Maybe they turn out to be great because he's compensating for all the, the things he has done, but can you walk out if you're John Budmire and go to a great wide receiver and say, we're going to make you a great wide receiver at Iowa, you know, what have you done? And yeah, nothing, you know, so. Yeah.
1: yeah, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, I, I, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking to John Budmire that he can handle this position, but, I don't think it's one that breeds confidence in folks. Um, You know, he was brought in to help develop quarterbacks alongside Brian Ferentz kind of as his right hand, and that hasn't worked out really well. Um, And I'm with you. I think the play at wide receiver would have been maybe even just get a name. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's played the position has a name can go into somebody's living room and say, listen, We have not been good at this position. I'm in charge now. I've played this position at a high level, and I'm going to turn this position around. Will you come to Iowa and help me? You know, whether that's – I I know Marvin McNutt's name's been thrown out, people like that. Yeah. To me, that's more inspiring than this hire. And I don't want to dump on Budmon. Yeah, right. Because maybe he turns out to be the right guy. Maybe he – Interviewed with Kirk and said, listen, here are my ideas for this position. Then he talked with Tim Lester and Tim Lester's like, okay, these, this is what I plan to do with the route tree. Can we work together on the, maybe that stuff's all gone on. Hopefully it has and hopefully it works. But just from the, on the front end here, Scott, it just, it just makes you kind of raise an eyebrow
0: yeah it does and, and i've gotten to know marvin really well i mean on monday nights we worked together on on iowa live and we talked for a long time about the receivers and and what's going on and and you know he coached at coe and i know the granite going from coe to iowa is quite a jump but he's also the best to ever do it at iowa i mean statistically for sure and and he could i know like amir and brandon went to him a lot for workouts and and i asked Amir specifically about it and Brandon and him got really close but amir was like look you we go in our in our recruiting room and we look up and we see his picture there you know and you see his numbers you get immediate respect and you know for somebody like that you know i did it here's how i did it here's what i can show you that that does it and you know and i really don't want to le- lean on this card very much but diversity is an issue too and um and I I think
1: that's I let you you take that
0: I know and I don't want to say too much about it but but it is it is a factor you you know and and so but I think we haven't uh Marvin you know you know not happy Marvin but you know somebody who played the position at at least in the Big Ten and had success or or at a major college and had success and maybe had even a cup of coffee at the NFL but you know, you wore a jersey and got paid for it. That's something that people respect, and I think that's something that Iowa kind of needs at that position because you just need that growth. You know, here's how I ran that route against him, against this player, and like, oh, you played against him, yeah. <laughs> and I caught a pass, I caught a touchdown, I did this, and and I think that's something that uh, you know absolutely in this in this situation. You know, and again, John John may come in and he may revamp it, and it may look really good and it works well. And so I don't want to make it look like I'm like totally against it. I just kind of question the lack of opportunity here. I, I'm more I'm more um, in favor of Tim Lester coming in as OC as I am just hey the senior analyst we've had for two years. We like him as a person, and we think he's a good coach. And well, there's an opening over here. We're going to put him over there.
1: Yeah, and for the Marvin only coached at co college, or that's the level that he's coaching at, or coached at. Um, Liddell Betts was coaching in high school before yeah. coming back here as the running back coach, and I would submit that he's done pretty good, a pretty good job with that position.
0: Yeah, yes, I know. I would say on offense, he's probably done the best job, you know, of the of the group in my eyes. Um, you know, that's no slight to Abdul. But, you know, he's already had really good players there. And, (laughs) and, you know, George, um, you know, we'll find out this year if it's George or if it's the players, because now that you got, you know, a five-star talent plus the entire unit back, you know, you you should be, you know, borderline dominant at at times. You know, no no more the Utah State game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 160-plus starts. Yeah. on the offensive line among the top eight guys. Yeah. The guys that have played the most. That's a lot. So really yeah. you're to, to Scott's point it's time for George to cook. Yeah
0: and if you have the running backs that they have and you have healthy tight ends now and the offensive line. Worst case scenario you should be able to play slam ball with three quarters of your opponents and play you know at least be competitive at, at worst and if not be dominant at times. So I think that's you know and and it's the other piece it's the passing game and that's what we're talking about here with, with Tim Lester yeah, you know finally a quarterback working with quarterbacks um and then uh on the other side you have um uh, you know wide receivers you know we'll, we'll see with with John Bunmeyer. so
1: yeah and i think it's a wait and see approach with all of this Based on the discussion Scott and, about, uh, Scott and I have had for the the last half hour or so, I think, and I think I I, th- I sense that the fan base is is doing. I mean, you're going to have the the shout from the rooftop people that are pissed, and, and we're going to be pissed again unless it was yeah. a, a name like a super big name. Um, but I think most people are like, you know, we know Kirk is involved in the offense. We know he's got to give a little bit. Um. It's a plus that this guy's a quarterback and can teach quarterbacks. And you just kind of got to wait and see. I, I think that's. I think most people, after as you said, um, fool me once, shame on you. Mm-hmm. I, I think after the last several years, I, I, I I'm okay with people just kind of because I'm doing this. I, I don't want to poo-poo it, but I'm also not going to get behind and say, "All right, we got you know, we're gonna it's gonna take off and Iowa's offense is gonna be great." You just look at the positives and what could be, and then, but you also have to acknowledge the potential pitfalls.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, Rob. I mean, you have to, uh, right, right now we have to evaluate it as it is, you know, no more aspirational talk, no more, Hey, I think this will be better because of this. I mean, you know, I, I've, at times maybe I felt like I bought in a little bit too much, you know, and just thought, Oh, okay. Well, you know, now that Brian's taken over this, this is what they're doing. And it seems more clear it didn't work. And the amount of political capital that Kirk expended on this, you know, the equity it's gone. So now you, you know, there's, the trust is gone, but that doesn't mean that they can't do it. I mean, they do have some pieces. I, I, and then you look at, Tim Lester's background with wide receivers and how that's worked and, you know, Sky Moore and, you know, Jaden Reed was there briefly before he went to Michigan State and, um, you know, Eskridge and, and things like that. They were all, you know, kind of in the same ballpark. And you'd look at what a Caleb Brown might be able to do. Yeah. And then you look at, you know, could Seth Anderson play a pretty good role? And then it's about development at those positions because you got a lot of young guys that haven't played a lot. You know, not only the guys who came in um, last year like Bowie and Howard and Moda, but also um, Jake Bostick, who's just finally getting into the games. And can one of them elevate into that role? And and then maybe it's uh, Caden Weijin. Maybe it's uh, Alec Wick, you know, that can – you know, really they don't need a ton of wide receivers. They just need – three to four who are pretty good and if they can do that you know then I think they're okay it's just but you know can they organize the offense to where you can use those matchups and one of the things I think that they were terrible at last year was sometimes they were they were running routes and they were putting people in positions where they were not successful because based on their own lack of abilities and there was one play at uh, Northwestern, the interception in the end zone, where they had Nico Raggini run in motion from left to right, then run up 20, you know, I think they were the 28-yard line, run into the end zone, and he couldn't get inside leverage on the corner, and the corner intercepted the ball in the end zone. And it's like, okay – you need to throw the ball in the least likely place to be intercepted. But it's also like, why did you organize that play with your shortest wide receiver and have him run across the field, 40 yards, basically in motion and then run up another 30 and put him in a position to where he has to fight for the ball. Why do that? You know, not, first of all, you know, putting somebody in motion and running up like that, he better be unguarded um, or at least, you know, some sort of zone where you can be easy to, to get open. But second of all, that's the only route. I mean, why can't you have another person run that route? Why can't you run the different one? You know, so that to me is why um, they need somebody else to organize this offense. Cause it's just too, you know, there's just not a lot of, it didn't work. You know, frankly, we know it didn't work. I mean, the statistics bear it out, but even beyond that, when you look at the execution and and the coordination, it, it just was not successful in any, any way or shape or form.
1: I like, uh, I like the two kids they're bringing in, too, KJ Parker and Reese Vanderzee. I don't know if they'll be able to help right away. Um, most of the Iowa receivers that come in are development guys, guys that need a little bit of time, but those guys have a pretty good starter kit. So we'll see if they're able to get themselves in the mix. One thing I want to address before we go to break, Scott, is the belief, theory, idea that Kirk Ferentz didn't want to hire an offensive coordinator to make Brian look bad. It is, uh, when we get to, like, ridiculous takes and, and theories, these are the ones that just make me shake my head. Why he would destroy his legacy, why somebody who's as competitive as he is would do that is is just insanity. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: one, may, you know, I rolled my eyes on my, I'm like, going to you know, give it credence here because, you know, who would do that? I mean, you know, it, now it, the, the reality is he, if he's going to manipulate this hire, it's because he wants more of his fingers in the offense. Right. You know, it's somebody who he can control. It's not somebody who can make his son look better, you know, like, see, because you know, then it makes himself look worse. It's like if nobody can run this offense, then maybe they need to get somebody else who can run the team. Because <laughs> you know? if everybody else in the world can do this, then why can't you? And you're doing pretty well with the defense, obviously. Um, you need to switch up things on offense. So I, I think that's uh, that's ridiculous. There's, there's a lot of ridiculous theories out there, but that one was probably at the top of the
1: list. That and Scott Frost being a candidate for the position were yeah. the two things that <laughs> made me shake my head the most. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break here, come back, talk some hoops and wrestling. Uh, got a question on the chat room that we can uh, answer when we get back uh, from Avery Martinson about football as well. Um, got to get my read up here, unprepared as usual, How? Um, support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited for the great work in our community for over half a century, and we certainly appreciate their support of the podcast. We're going to hear from a few more sponsors Now, and Scott and I will be back on the other side. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I
0: specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at StreetsMaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance's served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you call lance Bolin at 319-640-1116 that's 319-640-1116 or visit lj underscore construction on instagram for licensed and insured electrical work fire and water restoration and remodeling
1: see i told you that wouldn't be long and we're back here on the hawkeye hotspot podcast we appreciate uh the support of our sponsors Scott in the chat room, Avery Martinson, thoughts on Marco getting spring, getting the spring to take the first team snaps, snaps with Kane being injured. I think that's a likely scenario. No, it has to, right? I mean,
0: you know, no offense in the world is you know, no quarterback uh, guru is going to make Deacon do that much better. You know, and and you got you brought the young guy in for a reason. Give him a chance, because otherwise you might as well just cut him loose <laughs> yeah. after what we saw last year okay he was a true freshman he was working the, you know, the elevated into the second team and in, in the bowl game he ran around a ton it wasn't in really in a traditional setting um you know of course for me I was like start him in november but you know I, I it, at least he should have started like a, a halftime they should have brought him in as the, the lead yeah, I think so. I, I don't know that it's going to matter, though, as much, Rob, as maybe people want because, you know, they're going to they're gonna have, what, three quarterbacks, two scholarship guys taking snaps, handing off the ball, working with everybody. So I don't know. They'll, they'll probably rotate a lot. But, yes, I think you need to see what you got with Marco, with the first team, because you just don't know. I mean, unless they bring somebody in after spring ball, which I think they're going to have to um, – you got to be prepared for what may happen with Cade because he's coming off an ACL. That's not like coming off a bone bruise, unless you're Cherry Roberts, and that's really rough
1: for the longest time. You know, but your point again, though, I think, and hopefully over time here, people will get a you know have a better handle on what RPO is. And again, we don't know how much that's going to be incorporated, how much that's going to be used here. But RPO is not the quarterback either running or throwing. It's the quarterback using a mesh point to decide whether to hand the ball to the running back or throw the ball down the field to a tight end or receiver or another running back, depending on who else you have in there. The quarterback certainly can run, and that's what gives Marco a little bit of an edge. It gives you a third option like you wouldn't get if it was you know, Spencer or Nate or somebody who's more of a pocket guy, but it's not like Cade can't run this, even if he's not going to be able to, you know, he's not a super run threat, at least initially as he's getting healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, op- the opportunities are there, and if you can take pick up some yards, do it. I mean, you know, I, I think – you know, you don't want to compare too much to this, but Brock Purdy is a good example. He took the opportunities against the Detroit Lions when they were there yep. to run the football. He's not, you know, and he ran at Iowa State too. And, you know, and he was probably, I put his wheels on the same wavelength as, uh, as CJ Beathard and Jake Rudock. You know, pretty good athlete can run, but he's not Lamar Jackson, you know, and Cade is probably a little bit step below that when he's healthy, but capable. You know, Spencer was not really capable of that. Nate was capable of running right up the middle, um, and he did a good job of that, but not really much else other than that. So I think, you know, run. it's a run-pass option, and it's run, running back, mesh point, as you said, pull it back, throw. Somebody's open down the field. And if they can master that, that manipulation, then it allows them to run downhill. Then they can – and you know, and then you're cooking, then you're doing what Iowa wants to do because when you put any hesitation on that second level, then it takes then it removes the barriers that are the lack of cut blocking, you know, in yeah. Iowa's offensive scheme. So then it's you know, basically into the guy, and then once Iowa Iowa's linemen get into a second level player with with full grip, they're not winning. Period. I mean Iowa is that well coached. So I, I like the 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 optics of what it, how it will look. And I also like the fact that they may be targeting the middle of the field with wide receivers a lot more often.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And Cade could operate, I think, a little bit like Tanner Morgan with RPO. I I think Mm -hmm. similar body build, similar athleticism when Cade's healthy. So I think that might be a decent comparison. And the RPO is kind of would bring to this offense what we've been, you know, asking for which is as Scott said manipulation deception keeping the defense on its toes not letting just eight guys jam the box eight nine guys jam the box so you can't run it spreads to, it can spread things out a little bit more it's just it, it it's it's creative right it's it's uh modern it, it's it's uh it it gives you what it says options. You know, you're not locked yeah. into things. You have options. That's what you want. And yeah, and it's again, it's it's a <laughs>
0: it's an offense that we ran for. You know, the people ran for you know, fifteen plus years. That now is finally oh okay. But you know, then again, I thought Iowa in twenty twenty when they were starting to use Wildcat. Yeah. Uh was like, okay, look at this. You're averaging seven yards a carry when you're running Wildcat. Maybe you might want to keep that up. Oh no, we're we, we think it's a gimmick offense. We're not gonna do that, even when the offense can't move the ball to save its life, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I but I don't think that's the case now. I think this is uh, something that they're gonna have to buy into. And if they don't, um then it's gonna, you know, this year is one is a year where they have a good enough defense where they can handle it. But, you know, in 2025, if they want to go back to being caveman football, you know, that that's when the whole era is going to change and and go away.
1: Yep. Ah, All right. So um looking forward to hearing from Tim Lester next week. We'll hear from him presumably before we do another podcast. So we'll have, some some of his ideas out there and we can talk about this a little bit more and we'll have plenty of off season to talk about um football. Um let's turn the page now though to uh current winter sports. Uh big game tonight for the men's basketball team. I feel like we've said this before Scott. It is a must win a uh or or must not lose. However you want to frame it tonight when uh Iowa Plays host to Ohio State. That's a six o'clock tip at Carver Hawkeye Arena. FS1, I believe, is your TV location for that one. Interested to see what type of crowd on a Friday night at six o'clock. This is a good time. I mean, you're going up against high school basketball, and I get that, but this should be a, a game that draws a decent crowd. And in again, we again we've talked about this. In watching the Nebraska, Wisconsin game last night, that crowd in at Nebraska and Lincoln helped them win that game. And that's important. And we talked about it with football at Kennick Stadium, the free snap penalties, things like that. I'm going off on a different tangent here, but we'll see if there's a crowd tonight that can help Iowa, because Iowa's is ne- gonna need to help itself. It needs to play consistently. Played okay the other night at in Indiana, but kind of Fell down the stretch. You know, the Hoosiers scored the last eight points of that game after Iowa took the lead, so didn't make the plays down the stretch. But again, this has been a process, Scott, of trying to figure it out, trying to bring the pieces together, and they're still going through the process. But tonight has got to be a win.
0: When you look, Rob, at this season, you know, there's a couple of losses that just stand out and that's going to burn in Fran and the players. Um, Indiana's going to probably be like number three on that list of uh, this year. I think Michigan and being number one in the, you know, in December and then uh, Maryland last week. And and we talked a little bit about, I think last week about the Maryland game that if you have a decent crowd there, you win. Um, you, you know, it was just, Maryland was, you know, they were, they're, they were able to do what they wanted. They were able to execute without any kind of, I mean, it was like a, playing one of those holiday tournaments <laughs> yeah. you know, I've been, been to those where it's like, yeah, there's like a couple hundred people in the stands type of thing. It's what it felt like. So um, they've lost three out of the last four. And, you know, right now they there's, they're at that point of you, you know, you look ahead, you look in a couple of weeks, I mean, any of the opportunities they had to really make up ground and put themselves in a position to where they're advancing towards, uh you know a bid if they play well that that's really out the window. I mean they really have some I mean this is and this is a game that if they don't get it you can forget about it because they're playing a team that's in their wheelhouse at home on a Friday night as you said. And and we all know how finicky Iowa fans are when it comes to these games. At six o'clock, well I can't get there because of work. And you know if it's eight o'clock, well I got to work the next day. And I'm sure there'll be people saying, well, I couldn't have been at eight o'clock. I could have gotten there for that. But you know, overall, I think you'll see students probably go, it is Ohio state. And when you play, there's just something about playing the old school, big 10 teams. It's kind of like in hockey, the original six, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're playing teams, you've played for a hundred plus years that you've got kind of a, you know, there's a different vibe to it. And and I think that's going to be the case tonight. Um, and it's a pivotal game because I mean, Rob, if they if they don't win this game, they're not going to they probably won't go to any of the tournaments. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I think that's the case.
1: Yeah, you get already gave up the game against Michigan at home. You cannot give this game up. Michigan or Ohio State's um three and seven in the conference. You're four and six. You could knock them down a peg while moving yourself back up into that middle. There's so many layers to this that point to it being a must not lose type yeah. game and uh i've caught haven't watched a ton of ohio state this year scott but just they look really disconnected just they've got some nice individual pieces but chris holtman has not been able to bring this group together you just hope that they don't catch it they don't figure it out tonight at carver hawkeye arena and again um the home crowd can have something to do with that and we'll see if it does um Peyton Sanford playing well, Tony Perkins playing well, you've got those two guys that are in a groove right now. You need them to keep maintaining it, and then you need Ben Cricky to get out of whatever funk he's fallen into. He was two of eight against Michigan, one of nine the other night against Indiana. He's starting to have some struggles against length, and, and there is length in the Big Ten a lot more than you'll see in the valley where he was playing. He needs to figure out a way and we talk about this and use this analogy a lot, the baseball analogy of, you know, adjustments to the, between the pitcher and the batter. He ne- needs to now adjust to what defenses are doing against him.
0: Yeah, right. Uh you know, that's he needs to take that step forward, but um as you said before, <laughs> I really like uh, the way Peyton Sanford responded from the Maryland game, yep. um, he was devastated after that game. I mean, he was in tears, could barely talk after the news conference. Which it shows you how much it matters to him, yeah, and that's yeah. important. And uh, and so, how did he respond? He responded in in great fashion. I mean, came out and uh, balled out the last two games. I like uh, Tony Perkins a lot. I think he is taking. You know, we we talked about it in football. You know, the senior stories. And he's one of them for for the basketball team. Um, Owen Freeman is is a, an amazing freshman. Then what? You know, Cricky has fallen down. You know, you're not getting much out of Patrick McCaffrey. I think Josh Dix has been pretty good when he's played. i like. I think he needs to play more. Um, you know, can Desante Bowen come in or Brock Harding come in and and provide quality minutes? And
1: I don't think you know, Owen played in the second half the other night, did he? If he did, it wasn't uh, yeah. very much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember him in the first half. I don't remember him in the second half. And, and you know, and granted he rode the hot hand and, and certainly, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Sanford is the hot hand. Although I thought it was kind of funny when he <laughs> chucked that air ball, like Caitlin Clark and uh, except Caitlin would have hit at least for him, but, uh, <laughs> and then Fran was just kind of smiling. He's like this, you know, like, yeah. You know, I thought that was kind of funny, you know, um, uh, but, you know, good on Fran to not, hey, this, this kid's a, a shooter. Let's uh, let him shoot. So, you know, t- tonight's a but a
1: pivotal night. Yep. And Owen, the one thing with Owen, and it's not unusual for freshmen, getting some of the ticky-tack fouls, um, he's, he's got to avoid doing that because they really need him in the game. They're just so shorthanded when it comes to interior players that they need him out there as much as they can. He can't. If it means giving up a hoop, give it up. Don't don't take any cheap foul or especially out on the floor. Uh, you know, out uh, out of the paint. Don't don't catch any reaching or, you know, trying to take charges out there and get in front of smaller guys that are dribbling things like that. So, um, yeah, I think if you can keep those three guys, Sanford, Perkins, Freeman—going at a good pace. Maybe Cricky can bounce back. I think he can. He's a smart kid, he, and he's a yeah. talented offensive player. He's just going to need to adjust his game a little bit because teams have countered what he does. Um, and then, you know, I think, like you said, Josh Dix is a pretty reliable, consistent player. But I think – what game – was it the other night where they only got four points off the bench? I think Harding's four points the other night were the only bench points against the
0: yeah, that's that's dreadful. Let me take a look here, Rob. Oops, I'm, I'm
1: pretty mind. sure that's the case, but um, I could be off on that. I'm maybe confusing it with the Michigan game, but I think they got more off the bench against Michigan. I think the other night against Indiana, Harding had four points, and those were the only ones off the bench. And I don't think he scored his first points until the second half mm-hmm. on a couple of free throws. Did you find the box?
0: Uh, no, uh, I, you know, they don't put them in the in the notes anymore. So
1: <laughs> oh, well. Sorry well, that's my story it. and I'm sticking to it. OK, need, um, need more production off the bench.
0: Yeah, uh, you're either way. Your point is well taken that, that Iowa does need to do more uh, with its bench and it needs more points off the bench. It needs more execution, if nothing else. I mean, and I think that's that's part of it. There is, is just being able to have somebody who can you know, come in and, and affect uh, the game. I mean, let's see here. Yeah, they only had four points off the bench. You're right. And it was uh, just Hardy. But, you know, you had Dembale, you know, was 0 for 4. Patrick McGaffrey was 0 for 3. Um, you know, and he, and even Hardy only had one field goal. So yeah. it was, you know. And it the, was late. Yeah. So you're like, uh... now all of them, but, you know, like the, the backcourt played a ton
1: all but, you know, three and a half minutes. But, you know, you, you've got to get more out of that. It's just- you saw what Anthony Leal did coming off the bench the other night and how important he was for Indiana. Can't get that every night. That was kind of an aberration, I think. But going to need more production off the bench, no doubt about it. Um, switch gears to the uh, the women's team, Scott, moves up to number five or number three, excuse me, this week in right. the rankings. Should hop up another spot provided uh, it wins uh, at Maryland. Is it Maryland tomorrow? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to Maryland. They're on big Fox with Gus Johnson. And Maryland is struggling. That's, I never oh, yeah. thought I'd see Brenda Fries' team uh, struggle like this, but you you, you know she's going to be ready and looking for a, more, a signature win against Iowa. So the Hawks will have to be prepared for that. But Kansas State lost the other night, so a win tomorrow would probably move Iowa up to number two behind South Carolina. Not that that matters. But it matters. You want a number yeah. one seed at the end of the day. Um, but yeah. a, uh go ahead. Were you going to say something?
0: No, I was just going to say. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be, you want to be number three or number two. <laughs> <You> want to <laughs> be number two? You know. Um, yeah, I've watched Maryland. Uh, I watched them the other day um, before the Iowa game. And they lost to Indiana. Yeah, they lost to Indiana, and, and in this either. is
1: Indiana's a good team.
0: This is not the same Maryland team yeah. that we've been accustomed to watching. This is a. This is a struggle for them. I mean they got bombed by Penn State bad like by 45 points and um, this Didn't is not it the same a
1: crap load of points to Penn State like yeah, 112, or
0: 112 yeah it was Jeez. like 112 to 70 something and uh, you know they just don't have the the players that they had last year or any other year um, that happens from time to time but it is a surprise when you see it to them you know it might happen to Iowa next year frankly. You know, when, when you lose all these players, but, but, uh, you know, th- it's going to be on Fox. I mean, it, it's amazing just how, uh, you know, they've, ca- we, we say it all the time, you know, just how they've captured the imagination of the public. This game is sold out. It's one of four in Maryland's history that's been sold out. Um, So you're going to get a great environment. You're going to get their best effort. Cause you do know, as, as you said, you know, Brenda freeze being from the same community, really basically as, as Lisa Bluter, they've developed a really good rivalry over the years. Um, If she, you know, I don't know if she's going to have a win one for the Gipper speech, but it's going to be, you know, if you can win one game, any, this year at all, it's going to be Iowa at home with that kind of environment, that kind of profile, because the whole world's watching Caitlin Clark now, and um, whatever they can do to to slow her down or whatever, that's what they're going to try to do.
1: I love the the first commercial was good with Jenny Taff, but the one with Reggie Miller coming in at the end. Yeah. Somebody call for an old pacer. Yeah, that one I loved.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I Paft, I laugh. So. Yeah i know uh, i don't them i was like oh this one's good it's <laughs> now granted they ran it like every break i know and so after a while i'm like oh, okay
1: you know that the danny the... DeVito, uh jersey mike yeah, commercial yeah. stop with the, the danny devito commercials and i love danny devito louis de yeah. is one of the greatest characters in the history of uh sitcoms but yeah you know, for the jersey mike's commercials
0: there are exactly but. Uh, Caitlin Clark, what can we say about her? You know, I mean, here she is the, the leading scorer in Big Ten history, number two overall in NCAA history. Um, is done, you know, I mean, to watch like the the local Chicago television reports of these young girls and teenage girls that are going there. I mean, it's like Taylor Swift. I mean, they are so pumped to watch her play. It's it's unbelievable, Rob. I mean, it's it's like a phenomenon, you know, whether it's, you know, it, it's the '85 Bears meets Tiger Woods. I mean, meets Taylor Swift. I mean, it's it's really in that ballpark. And and when you're going, I mean, at, by the end of the year, I mean, every game but two have either set attendance records at the arena or sold out completely. It's it's just amazing. Uh, I mean, to see that for a women's basketball player in a women's basketball program like Iowa has. I mean, and they and it hasn't affected them negatively. I mean, you know, they faltered against Ohio State down the stretch. But they've done that from time to time before, too. And then they lost to Kansas State early in the year, which they played just absolutely poorly. So, really. And bounce back
1: and beat uh, Kansas State.
0: Yeah, right. they won down in, the, the, down in uh, Florida. And, and and at the time, we didn't realize how good Kansas State was. Right. You know? And now you're looking at them going, yeah, they're pretty good. So um, the one thing I really like about the way they play, Rob, is going into the year we were all worried uh, about the lack of a post. And they've decided, you know what, everybody needs to be worried about our guard play. So we're going to play four guards in one post for the most part, and nobody can stop them that way. If, they, if their transition is going, forget it. They're in, they're, in, they're the best team in the country.
1: Yeah, that's the danger. <laughs> We've talked about that, Scott, of, you know, if a team gets them into a half-court game with a strong post, that's probably the kryptonite. Yeah. Um, and Ohio State did that to a degree, but it just took a really good effort for Ohio State to win that game at home. It happens. Um, yeah. But the other night, which you have 35, I think, it was pretty much yeah. efforts, almost effortless. Leslie scored 35. Um, so Iowa moves on and has Maryland this weekend. And uh, I think she's, what, 100 and, 100 and change, 103, 104 points away from Kelsey Plum?
0: Yeah, it's 103 or 4. I, I You know, you're, I can't remember exactly which. But.
1: So doing the calculations, if she's, she continues at whatever she's averaging, 30 a game. That would put the Michigan game at home. I think people are targeting for her to break the record. Yes, Michigan at at home. Now, if she's
0: averaging thirty five, which she's done, it could be the very end of the Nebraska game. But I would, uh, I think, for the sport, you don't want that. (laughs) You know, and not not because of you know. Now, if it's in the fourth quarter and it's tied and she needs to score the points, she will, and it's on Fox. But you know, that's great. But I think. You know, doing it on Super Bowl Sunday, you become a footnote. What you want to do is do it at home, <laughs> you know, on a Thursday night, and and Peacock's going, yes, please do, you know. But <laughs> um, but if that, if that could be the case, I mean, if if you're Peacock, you should just move it to NBC and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna promote the crap out of this too. But
1: I don't know if you caught the other night in the post game. I don't know if it was a slip or just her, you know her emotions of becoming the all-time leading scorer in the Big Ten, but she kind of let slip that, you know, it's kind of emotional as the games count down this season, mm-hmm. which was kind of – some people took that to mean this is the the end of the run. I don't know if she's firmly made up her mind there, but I get a feeling this is – and I, and I think if you – like to your point, Scott, about what it was like in Chicago when she hit the big city and the attention she got in the big city – Indianapolis isn't as big of a city, but it's a big city, and you could see there the impact she could have on a place like that. It was kind of cool to watch her be interviewed by Aaliyah Boston the other night, too. Oh yeah, yeah, a little
0: joke about being teammates or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that combination would be lethal. Uh, yeah. I, you know. I would be surprised if she comes back. I just would. I think that she has done everything she could possibly do at this level. And, and you know, people are like, oh, she's not going to be as big or as popular. I, I
1: disagree because she'll be, I, she'll be bigger. She'll take her star with her. She'll, she'll be, raise that league. She'll help expose that league. You know, like Joe Namath. You know, did with the AFL and how it
0: changed, or Magic and Bird did, and with the NBA in the 80s. I mean, you know, to take that to another level, and she's going to face all kinds of pettiness and jealousies. And, you know, you've already seen it. You know, we have already seen it from different uh, coaches with their passive aggressive, you know, comments about, you know, well, our girls don't shoot 40 times a game like some of them do. And, you know, <laughs> and it, but, you know, so what? That makes, the, that makes it more interesting. And, and you're going to have fans and you're going to have haters. And, and yes, she's going to go to the next level. Um, and those same fans are going to flock to those arenas. And every time she comes to an arena, the L.A. Starks, the Chicago Sky, the, the Seattle Storm, the New York Liberty, and, oh, she's going to play against Sabrina Ionesco. <laughs> oh, wow, this is a great matchup. Um, people are going to want to watch. And that's something that's never happened. So I, I think this is a, I, I see her trajectory as this is it. Um, and I know people in Iowa want her back under all these circumstances. I don't know that she could do more, Rob. I only, I, I, in fact, I think that she can only come down. I, I think her popularity could wane a little bit, you know, like she overstayed her welcome, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't want to diss Iowa by any stretch, but I just think that, Sometimes it's just time, you know, take, go to the next level, play against the be- higher competition. Um, you know, I, I kid you not that last week, two of our top five stories on the athletic were about Caitlin Clark.
1: Not and surprising.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's about her and her and the court storm situation, <laughs> you know, and then also her with uh, um, the uh, the USA team USA. They got the conundrum there. And then you look at this week, we had another story when she broke the record. And, and we have different people volunteering to go to these games. It's, it, I don't think we understand just how big she is beyond the state of Iowa. I mean, they're all popular here. But Caitlin Clark, it's kind of like Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. The Bears were still the most popular team in Chicago. Jordan was the most popular athlete in Chicago. But outside of Chicago, the Bulls and Jordan were bigger than life. And I think in some ways that's the kind of the same situation here. Caitlin Clark, you
1: know, can do no wrong, and for a lot of segments of college women's college basketball. And she recently turned 22, so um, you know that's that's part of the equation as well. And I'm with you, Scott. I think she's ready for a challenge, a different challenge, a bigger challenge, and that's waiting for her in the league. Um, I certainly would welcome her coming back. Uh, for us, mm-hmm. it's great for business, as you said. She produces great numbers traffic-wise. It'd be great to have her back. I just want her to do whatever she feels is best for her, and I get a feeling that uh, she's ready for a new challenge. But we'll see how that plays out as we get into the spring. Lastly, here before we get out, um, wrestling. Uh, I think um, we saw last week that there's kind of – I don't know if you say a demarcation line, but Iowa went on the road and destroyed Illinois and Northwestern. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like there are, there are a few teams in the big 10 that can kind of hang around and have a shot at Penn state. I think Iowa is one of those teams. That'll be a week from today. So we'll preview that a little bit more on next week's podcast, but it's a matter of, can they get to that point? It's going to be super tough but if anybody is going to be challenging Penn State, Iowa is one of those teams, um, and one of the guys who's of interest to us in multiple sports got on the mat again um, on Sunday. I think it was Sunday, right at Northwestern. Yes, yeah, North- yeah, at Northwestern. Forty-five second pin for Ben Keeter. Much more, he was much more happy with this performance than he was his first performance against Minnesota. It will be interesting to see. If he's in the lineup against Kurt Voli next week, we probably won't know until uh, they take the mat.
0: Yeah, we won't. We won't know until then. But but I think what we'll see is, uh, you know, Ben Ben Keeter is is just continuously getting better. And and yeah, his first match was uh, um, he looked like he was dead for the last minute and a half to two minutes. Like he was just and he was just barely holding on. Uh, that was completely a different case against Northwestern. You get breaks when
1: you play linebacker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You get, uh, eight, you know, seven seconds of hell or whatever, you know, I was defense, but, uh, and then you get, you got, you know, 30 seconds of breathing, right. <laughs> you know, nothing like that in wrestling, but you know, I, I also, you know, he's such a committed athlete and always has been and understands the situation that he probably <laughs> just making a guess, but after that match, he probably went and rode the bike for two straight hours and, you know, and was angry with himself, but, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I feel bad that I didn't ask more wrestling questions of Tom Brands last week, you know, after losing, what, a total of, what, one match? I think it's Illinois. 82
1: to 6. Where yeah. The, was that was the combined scores of okay. those two duels.
0: Two matches then, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, but lo- those those players, or those, those wrestlers being out, I think the Penn State duel is probably where, where they'll ex- get exposed a little bit.
1: Yep, and that's a week from tonight. Tonight, though, they wrestle at Michigan. I believe that's on the Big Ten Network. I believe you can catch that. At 7.30 is a time that I have in my mind. I think there's a little bit of overlap between the basketball game and wrestling tonight for Hawkeye fans, but I think you'll be able to catch a lot of the duel uh, on Big Ten Network if you're not at the Iowa basketball game, which is on FS1. I could have the time off there. Check your local listings, as you have to say. But, um, yeah, we're getting toward the month turn to February, Scott. We're starting to get into the crunch time for wrestling, men's and women's basketball. It's kind of like, you know, everybody's jockeying for position for the Big Ten tournaments. And we could talk about this as we get closer to the Big Ten tournament, the, the new format going forward where some teams aren't going to get to go once uh, they expand the big 10 next season to 18 teams, but we'll, we'll talk to that. We've, we've gone long enough today. Um, anything I left out or you think we hit everything?
0: You know, there's been so much going on Rob, in the last oh. five to six weeks. It's like, Oh, what about this? But yeah, I mean, I guess just to touch on in case people haven't heard is, you know, they'll still stay at 20 games. They'll still stay at 18 games from, for men's and women's basketball, uh, 15 teams in the tournament so the bottom three don't get a travel, and, you know, that's just as well. I
1: mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you don't need games. You don't need the tournament to start on Monday or Tuesday and go all the way to Sunday.
0: Yeah, you don't need the, you know, 2 and 18 versus 5 and, you know, no. 15, you know, that type of thing. So just as well, and you have your year, year, it's probably time to move on. Maybe you want to fire your coach anyway or, right. you know, just start looking ahead and your fans don't care. Uh, and then – you know, what I, I did find fascinating, Rob, though, it was with the men's schedule in particular is uh, 14 single plays mm. and then there'll be three doubles. And they left it fairly ambiguous based on rivalry, right. geography, and, and competitiveness. And and so, you know, that's good. If you got – you know, you'd hate to have, first of all, like two teams that you know are going to be great. You know, like let's say – like Purdue and UCLA are are two of the top five teams and you know it going into next year, you kind of want them to play twice, right? You know, or um, you also want Purdue to play Indiana, you know, you know, and, and then rivalry aspects. We all know that, you know, that, you know, Iowa has, you know, Illinois is probably its blood rival, Wisconsin and Minnesota are, are rivals. Nebraska, Kind of is, I suppose. But, but like the old Big Ten is certainly rivalry, but, you know, Michigan, Michigan State should play every year and Indiana, Purdue should play every year. So I think that's also fair to try to keep together. And, you know, maybe it's Rutgers and Penn State, you know, they could play each other. I like
1: and, the, fle- I like, I'm with you. I, when I saw that, I'm like, that gives them the flexibility to be able to create the best matchups year to year. Yeah. Because,
0: you know, why do you have a true rotation at this point? You know, I mean, like Washington and Oregon should play twice. USC and UCLA should play twice. You know, there's, there's games that make sense, you know. And, but then again, you don't want to have, oh, we got to have a true rotation, so we're going to have Rutgers play Washington twice. Yeah. You, know, they should, you know, they shouldn't do that. So, yeah, there's just all kinds of different things.
1: Yeah, you can check out those stories and we'll talk more about that as the the months go on here. um, And we get some more information on that stuff. And hopefully, next week we'll be able to have some more um, discussion on the Tim Lester hire after we hear from him at his press conference expected early next week. So look out for coverage of that. Um, We'll be back to talk about uh, the latest competitions in men's and women's basketball uh, and also wrestling. Big recruiting weekend, junior day this weekend for Iowa football. We'll probably get some news out of that next week. So as we said at the top of this podcast, Scott, there is no offseason. We have no offseason. There is no downtime. It just keeps going.
0: Yeah, it's it's like infinity and beyond, man. (laughs) You know, I I was just thinking about this uh, with, with Tim Lester being hired. Okay, once that gets solved, you know, next week we get the press conference and then we start to move on. Thinking wise, what are the next stories? Well, Caitlin Clark timetable, men's basketball. People are going to start to gravitate. I mean, if they lose, then it's going to be like, well, do we get, you know, how much longer does Fran have? And it's just going to be a constant talking point, whether he stays or not. It just will be. And then it'll be, oh, spring football and new offensive coordinator, and let's see how Caden Proctor does, and you know, kind of on and on. And then. Finally get into May, and then it'll be what recruiting, and and then of course if there is a coaching change, that's uh, we'll be I, I here to talk about. It. Another
1: else. note that I that I will throw in here uh, in parting, uh, John Rothstein, I believe tweeted yesterday Iowa and Utah up at uh, up in um, Sioux Falls at the uh, yeah Pentagon Octagon. Octagon 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 no yeah. the Pentagon's in Washington. Yeah. Octagon is yeah, that's the pulse. yeah.
0: <laughs> a little different <laughs> purpose, you know, but that's uh,
1: probably a good yeah. indication that this thing has run its course because my brain oh. is turning to mush. No. <laughs> but uh yeah. there you go. Another another marquee non conference game not being played at Carver Hawkeye Arena, but we're not going to start that discussion now. That's for another day.
0: Yeah. Um, okay full other podcast
1: (laughs) yeah we'll have plenty of time to talk about that all right folks we appreciate everybody listening to the podcast thanks again to our sponsors allowing us to bring you these podcasts free of charge no patreon any of that stuff as we've mentioned before uh free hawk centric podcast monday through friday on this feed monday wednesday friday flagship podcast with pat hardy and the guys from kcjj i'm here tuesday for the mailbag scott and i are here most thursdays it's a friday this week for the hawkeye hotspot podcast so if you can please subscribe like do all that fun stuff it helps us out and we appreciate it thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you again next week say goodbye scott goodbye scott